able to hear it and check up on me later. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. I introduce myself and such here in a minute. Um, we have a, uh, I have a podcast I do, and it's out there. Obviously, I won't be on YouTube tonight. I'm not the, not the house. One of my fellows, his dad was, I think, 13 when I came as the pastor. His dad's now the chief detective in our police department in our city. And uh, his boys graduated. Actually, we had a school for 15 years and graduated from our school. And uh, he's an IT sort of guy. And he has drugged me kicking and screaming into the 21st century. And so <laughs> he wanted to get me out on some different, different mediums and such. And so I guess we've had 19 different countries listening at one time or another. And God's done some great results. Um, but we have, uh, we have a podcast and such. It's at www.lbclancaster.com. You're going to pick up us and the Good Fundamental Church in, in California, both, but we're in Lancaster, Ohio. They're in Lancaster, California. And uh, man, your preacher's tall. I feel like howdy doody up behind this thing. Good night. Now, it, it's something else. I'm going to move around. I, you'll, you'll see. I do anyway. I'm Philip Manning. I pastor at Lighthouse Baptist Church with my wife, LaVon. She and I, this May, will have been married 36 years. And we've stopped in here for a number of years now and enjoyed it when we're up in the area. And uh, we missed seeing Sandy at the, at the piano and uh, found out she'd went home to be with the Lord. And the last time we were up in your area, our trip got cut short. My wife had an accident, rented her an e-bike. I'm a cyclist. I do some riding and got her an e-bike to go with me. And uh, she went off about a 15-foot cliff off a trail down here, slammed into a tree, and uh, God was with her. Didn't break anything. Shoved her scapula all the way up into her neck almost, and it was, it was quite a wreck. And uh, if you don't know about those, they engage if you pedal, and she didn't realize that, and she turned and pedaled with it on full 500-watt assist, and she just launched off. It was a scary sight, but we thank God that nothing broken. She could easily have been killed in it. So that shortened our trip, and that was our 35th anniversary, and after she got feeling a little better, she said, well, we wanted it to be memorable, amen? <laughs> it was memorable. It was memorable. 30 years of pastor there in Lancaster, and uh, so it proves the people have a lot of endurance, and uh, got a good group of folks we work with, and uh, we started out with... Uh, uh, this would have been a very, very good Sunday morning crowd. Very, very good Sunday morning crowd when we started. Wednesday night, sometimes we'd have seven people, and we were supplying three of those at that time. And uh, and so uh, God's just, it, he's been good, he's faithful, and we have to stay faithful to him. Our church is praying for this service, even as they're having service up home tonight. We have our midweek service at seven. And uh, so I appreciate it. When I was 15 years old, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. My wife and I grew up in a rural county in Ohio, Preble County, Ohio, which is on the very western side of Ohio, right before you go into Indiana. Rolling hills, not as sharp as the hills here, but rolling hills, that sort of thing. A lot of farmland. And uh, she grew up, on a, her dad was a truck driver, had a small farm. I grew up working on farms. Good moral family. Went to public high school. I was taught good morals. Taught to work hard, had my first full-time job when I was 14. We, we were taught to be honest, work, still believe in all that. And uh, I had a few people, a few kids in my high school invite me to Sunday school and such, and some of them I knew how they lived. 
I knew what they did after our varsity wrestling matches, which was the sport I was in and track I was in a little bit. And uh, I thought, man, I'm living as good as them. But that wasn't the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ. Amen. Cousin of mine came out when we were bailing hay. We did a lot of custom bailing. We'd throw 20, 25,000 bales a summer, bailing for different, uh, one farmer, but we'd supply different people. And uh, he came out on the hay wagon, started talking to me about Jesus. I was so spiritual that I threatened to throw him under the wagon. <laughs> That was about my response to it at first. I was taught to be respectful, taught to be respectful towards the Bible, towards church. That was all part of it. But I was only in church like once a year. And that wasn't in church. It was an open-air meeting down in eastern Kentucky where all my people were from. I would later preach at that meeting many times. But it was, uh, I'm just telling you, I didn't hear the gospel. Didn't hear it. Thought if you died and you'd been more good than bad, you might go to heaven. Nothing further from the truth. If we don't have the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we're lost. It is Christ and Him alone. That's it. And so, God's worked on my heart when I was 15 years old. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I met this young lady in high school. Just a few months after that, I got saved in July. We met in high school. She says it was February. She remembers that better, the timing better. I remember the event. First question she asked me is if I was saved. Really did. She was reared up in church. She started cleaning churches when she was four years old. Her mama was standard in church. Man, I this good looking girl, and she asked me that question. I don't even saved a few months. Here's what I thought. I thought to myself, I said, Hey buddy, come come back and land with your folks, man. I'm gonna preach. Everybody's gonna be watching you, and I'm not gonna get the word to them. Better behave. My church, I'd send three ushers and hogtie. You'd never see the light of day again. <laughs> we, we got more little kids running around. You can barely get out of church with your shins intact. They're just like little ones everywhere. But uh, I saw her and I thought, man, this getting saved business has fringe benefits. Check it out. You know, she wants to know if I'm saved. But truthfully, I could answer yes. And we've grown in the Lord together. And, and, not only that, but it, that spring, right along, probably around this time of year, a little later, God called me to preach when I was 16. It's been my privilege to preach the gospel of Christ almost 42 years now. It'll be 42 years in a month or so. 30 of those as a pastor, and I thank God for it. Let's look at Mark 14. Mark 14. I'm going to try to get right to the point so all of you don't feel like that by the end. All right. Your preacher's been, been a blessing to me. And I just texted him on Saturday, Sunday and said, Hey, preacher man, what? I'm trying to remember when your midweek service is. And then one thing led to another, and he asked me if I could preach tonight. Mark 14, verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, notice that. We're supposed to teach and admonish one another in Psalms. That's scripture singing. Hymns, those are the right kind of godly Christian music designed for a group to sing, a congregation. And spiritual songs. A spiritual song is a song that edifies and speaks to the spirit, not to the flesh. The key component of a spiritual song is it's in a melody. The Scripture teaches that. 
making a melody in your heart to the Lord. All songs, in order to be music, have rhythm to them. But it is not the dominant factor in a spiritual song. Because dominant rhythm speaks to the flesh, not to the spirit. And when Jesus was getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, to suffer as no man ever suffered, He sung a hymn. I wonder what that sounded like. All them singing that. When they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all should be offended, yet will not I. And of course, it's a prideful statement. And it would prove not to be true. And you can bet the other disciples probably weren't happy about that statement. You realize what he just said. All the other men are standing there and Jesus says, are you going to be offended? He more or less says, yeah, I believe that about these guys, but not me. That's what he just said. I bet that one in points. Pride's offensive to God and man. Verse 30. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then he wants to cover up the flaw there, but he spake the more vehemently. He got more intense. You know, getting more intense does not make wrong right. If I should die with thee, I would not deny thee in any wise. But wait, Peter wasn't the only one saying this stuff. Look at the end of the verse. Likewise also said they all. So he wasn't uncommon in that. And they came to a place, and I want you to look at this. If you're in the habit of marking in your Bible, some people do, some don't, I'd like you to mark a word here. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. That's the, that's the word. God willing, in a moment I'm going to talk to you tonight about God's pressing place. I want you to know that word Gethsemane. We'll come back to it. And he said to the disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forth a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he, saith, and he said, rather, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Can you imagine our Lord loving us enough to go through that? Something in it. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. And saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. They didn't have anything to say at that point. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, and by the way, I believe there's a little pause in here. 
Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So you imagine as he walks up there asleep again. And Christ said, he asked Peter, could you not watch one hour? And if you look at how few a words Jesus said, Father, if it be possible, this hour, you take this hour from me. If not, that's all he said in that hour. He wasn't just rattling out a bunch of words. He was, there was groaning. There was, there was, there was that, that, that passion of prayer involved in there. And by the way, he went and said the same words. That is not vain repetition. We know that Christ commanded that we not pray with vain repetition. The key thing in that is vain repetition. You may pray for the same thing. You may even pray the same words. You may not just pray something over and over again thinking that you'll be heard for your much speaking. But oftentimes we are reduced in real prayer to just a few words. God doesn't look for our prayer to be eloquent. He doesn't look for our prayer to be learned. He looks for our prayer to be direct to Him and to be honest before our Heavenly Father. And He would like us as we pray to Him to be quiet enough to learn something from His Spirit. And He'll teach us. Sometimes you'll take off praying on one subject and you'll find out He'll say, but what about this over here? And He'll teach us many things along the way for our God's always graciously growing us. And then if you would, where I believe the, the pause was, and if you did not, that's fine, but in verse 41, He had said, sleep on now and take your rest. And then verse 42, He says, rise up, let us go. He that betrayeth me is at hand. I believe there's a little time involved there. So he's watching sleep and then he says, all right, it's time to get up and go. God's pressing place. I ask you to, to mark a word there. What was the word we were to remember? Gethsemane. Gethsemane, all right. Gethsemane's an interesting word. The word Gethsemane means an olive press. It also generally means a pressing place. When they sung the hymn in the scripture here, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now I'm going to ask you something just a minute. I'm not talking down. I'm not trying to be silly. It's important to understand the rest of the message. Why would it have been called the Mount of Olives? Olive trees. That was right there. Now, in the Mount of Olives, it, they, this garden is called the Garden of Gethsemane. That was the place where they had the press for those olives to be pressed. When you press an olive, guess what comes out of an olive? Oil. oil. What kind of oil? Olive oil. You say, okay, preacher, we came to church for this tonight. Hold on just a second. Here's the question. When we are pressed, what comes out of us? Not when life's smooth. Not when life's easy. But when we are pressed, what comes out of us? I'll tell you exactly what comes out of us. Whatever's inside of us. The reason why olive oil comes out of the olive is because it's an olive. And that's what's inside. You know, sometimes, often through our Christian life, like I said, it's, in my privilege to know the Lord, July will be 43 years. 42 years preaching His Word. In about every conceivable circumstance you can imagine. And what I found out is that 
Some of the things that come out of us when we get pressed are not good things. But God has a purpose in that too. Because He wants us to see that, acknowledge that, and do something about it. Because our God is such a great God that He can bring victory out of the failures. He's not done with us yet. Just like God could reach down and take the dirt of the earth and make a man out of it and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life and make one in his own image out of such an elemental thing as dirt. God can take us and keep growing us and keep growing us and keep growing us. He's not done with us. I don't care what our age is. I'm 58 years of age and my God has much yet to teach me. My God has much He can do with me. There are things I look back in my Christian life and I'll think with all the, the teaching I've had, with all the study of the Word I've had, with some of the godly people I've been able to be associated with, there's no excuse for me not to walk with God every day. Brother Ned, what you were talking about every day, finding out how we'll walk with the Lord. That's so good. Why? Not saying, oh, I hope I measure up enough to be accepted. No, my friends, I'm accepted in the beloved. On that good day of July 26, 1980, when the blood of Jesus Christ was applied to my soul, I was saved by His grace. I'm kept by His grace. I'm going to heaven because of Christ, not because of me. Nothing can change that. It's Him. You show me someone who trusts their own righteousness, I'll show you someone who's lost on their way to hell. Because if you trust in you, you're lost. It's Christ. This was ever the message that Jesus had. Paul wrote about it, and he said about the Jewish people, he said, and they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, went about to establish their own righteousness and had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. It teaches that in Romans, I believe, chapter 4. Well, how were they trying to establish their own righteousness? With the very Word of God. They had the Word of God. But the Word of God, what they were doing with the Word of God was saying, look, I keep it. Look how righteous I am because I keep it. They were using their right belief about the Word of God to try to prove they were righteous and God said it's a stench. I go to church. I have a King James Bible. I believe it. I don't, I don't just read it. That's, I believe that's the Word of God. I, 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 I believe I go in. I'm, I'm a Baptist preacher. I preach you know, multiple times a week. I try to reach people. I help with missions. We do all this. And, and, uh, look how good I am. No! It's Christ. Christ alone. Not only for my salvation, but for my sanctification, my growth in Christ is based on Jesus Christ. Why did they get olive oil? Because they were olives. I got to look into Scripture here. And when your preacher asked if I could say a few words to you. And uh, by the way, he said, Brother Manning, 10 minutes, 45 minutes, it doesn't matter. So whatever happens, it's his fault. <laughs> Take that up with him when he gets back. Man, you shouldn't do that stuff to a preacher. But uh, no, I'll, I'll, not, I'll not trespass on your patience. I really won't. I hope I won't. I'll try not to. But here's some things. I just immediately knew where I was supposed to go. It was just, I, I look forward to it. I've enjoyed you all. You've been refreshing to my wife and I on times when we've been up here. And I just, I count an honor. I really do. But here's some things I saw about what Jesus did. And he's always your best example. I want you to notice these things from our where we've been reading the passage. When Christ was pressed in God's pressing place, first thing I noticed with it is friends failed him. His friends failed him. It didn't mean they didn't love him. 
You know, later on, of course, Peter cursed and denied the Lord, didn't he? Three times he denied him. And then you get over in John 21, and Jesus comes out there, and Peter, six other fellas, had went out fishing all night. You remember that? Peter said, I go a fishing. And Peter had such a natural leadership, he didn't say, who's going with me? Of course, people who turn around and ask that question don't really have strong leadership. But he said, I'm going fishing. They're, okay, we'll go too. Now, he was a commercial fisherman. What he did was stepping back to his old life. He, wasn't, he didn't have a cane pole and red you know, wigglers. This man was taken down there with the nets. And he, uh, <laughs> so he gets out there, and of course, Jesus comes along. And think about what Jesus said. These are adult fishermen. These are rough and ready guys. Think what Jesus said to him, Children, have you any meat? I mean, who says to a bunch of guys out fishing? Children? They go, I don't know where everybody fishes around here. Go try that sometime. See how that goes for you. Um, not a good thing. Of course, John was the first to identify that it was Jesus, and you know what happened. They came up there. Christ had food for him. They started talking to him. And then he asked an all important question to Peter, didn't he? Simon, son of Jonas. Lovest thou me more than these? And he asked him it three times, once for every time they denied him. And when Peter said, I love thee, he said three times. And of course, Jesus told him, feed his sheep twice, feed his lambs once. When he said that, when Peter said that, and he said it a little different way each time, but he said, finally, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus never one time said to Peter, no, you don't, or you wouldn't have done that. He, didn't ne he never rebuked him when he said he loved him. Say, so, well, he wasn't being very loving. I agree with that. Let me ask, can I ask a hard question tonight? It, it, this is as painful up here as it is out there, okay? <laughs> Have you ever been not loving towards someone you do love? God knows it, doesn't it? It's not an excuse for wrong. It's the reality of how gracious God is. What did we think? God got a great prize when He got us? He got a ball of dirt! <laughs> now, not so much you ladies. You're, you're second generation creation. You weren't made out of dirt. That's why you're always picking up after us. Amen? <laughs> my brother, my brother Eli, I heard your prayer request and I thought when you said praying for She'll get over it. I thought, now that sounds like a young husband to my ears. We're going to tune into the podcast now. That's up to you. But I do believe it's important to your heart. His friends failed him. Sometimes God will put you in a place or will take the opportunity of a place it may be a place you put yourself into. Sometimes he'll take the opportunity of that to let your friends fail. For you to find out it's God. I've been pastoring a long time. Pastored quite a few people down over the years. I've had a lot of different things happen. Every now and then I'll get somebody who will get way too dependent. I had this discussion not too long ago with someone. And they said, Pastor, why do you think about this? I said, you need to find out about God. I'll tell you if I see a red flag, I'll point you to the Scripture if you're making a misstep according to the Scripture. But the most important thing for you to do is not be dependent on me, not be dependent on anybody else, but you've got to get a hold of your God. You've got to know that it's God doing it. 
He may speak to you through someone teaching you. He may speak to you through the Word itself. The Holy Spirit may impress upon you. It will always be completely in alignment with the Word of God. But you've got to know God. And sometimes in order to know that, we've got to, our friends have to fail. I could talk to you about Isaiah chapter 6. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Uzziah was a very impressive king. But when he died, Isaiah got a better glimpse of God, didn't he? His friends failed in that pressing place. God may use a pressing place where friends fail. I'm glad for good friends. I'm glad for encouragement. But we've got to have God. And secondly, the humanity was shown, wasn't it? We've talked about it already. I'll not belabor the point. I'll never deny you. That's right. None of us will. Takes them to pray. Watch with me one hour. They'll fall asleep. I'm ready to die for you. They can't stay awake for an hour. Amen. The humanity showed. By the way, your humanity will show to you. Do you know it's in Romans chapter 7 and Paul comes along and says, O wretched man that I am, not that I was, that I am. That which I would not, that I do. That which I, I would, that do I not. I find then a law that when I would do that which I would not, I find then a law that evil is present with me. Why? He said, after the heart, I seek after the law of God. I see another war in my members. Bring me into captivity. He wasn't excusing wrong. It's ignorance that thinks that grace teaches uh, loose living. The grace of God that appears to all men teaches us that we ought to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's what grace teaches. Why? Not because we're scared to death. God is going to strike us down if we make a misstep. No, we ought to fear God because He's God. But I'm not doing that. What grace does is makes me have gratitude. That lady right there takes good care of me, loves me, takes care of me at every turn. You think I don't want to do something for her? Why? How, how could you not have gratitude towards somebody who takes care of you? That's what grace is. Humanity showed. Your humanity will show. You'll find out your strengths not as much as you think it is. I won't go into detail of this at all. I had a head injury several years ago. Took me out of preaching for several weeks. I thought it was going to take me out of the pastorate. I actually sought the Lord and saw if I need to get out of the way and let somebody else go on. I couldn't even work for 15 minutes in my office. My secretary sat there and, and her and her husband were in the church. We were one of the little handful of people when we came 30 years ago. I looked over and she was bawling because she realized I couldn't even finish a sentence. Sounded like this electrical thing going off my mind. I, 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 and here I am and got a school operating and church is going on. Need to speak about seven times a week. And I couldn't, couldn't even drive. Couldn't even drive. So what about now? I'm right now as normal as I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> the blessing of the Lord is I didn't have a high standard to come back to. So I'm doing great. It's awesome. <laughs> and when something goes wrong, I blame the wreck. Amen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I've always had good physical endurance and been able to just put in hours whatever needed done and I learned a lesson. That can be gone in just a second. And there's a difference between knowing that theoretically and knowing that factually because it's happened to you. And you know what else I found out? My God is sufficient. His love is enduring. His book is true. His word can build his people. 
I, it doesn't matter if I can put my words together. It doesn't matter how I go about it. All I've got to do is open the book, explain the book, point people to Jesus, and He will grow them. People kept getting saved. People kept getting baptized. God kept working in people's lives. Why? Because God's good. I'm just trying to help you tonight. I want you to leave here thinking about how good your Savior is and what you mean to Him. That's it. And then the deep love for the Father surfaced. Look here, if you will, I'm finding the right Scripture. Help me out in my preaching here. I lost where he said, Abba, Father. There it is, verse 36. Can't say a thing. Get crying up here. And he said, Abba, Father. That term Abba is an affectionate term. It's the idea of Daddy. My youngest son's 27. He, call, he tends to call me Pops. And uh, he, we do a lot of things together. My oldest son's be 31 in April. And uh, he calls me Pappy. And that's what the grandkids call me. Terms of affection. It's precious. Those boys don't leave my presence without hugging my neck. Grown men. One's pretty successful, runs his own business. Other one works for him. They do very well. Huggy neck. We're, kind of, we're leaving home. We're going to take a couple of days away. And I called, called the youngest one, Luke. I said, hey. I said, uh, your mom and I are leaving tomorrow morning. He said, he said, when you come through, when you come through uh, town, Dad, I said, not sure. He said, give me a call. And he says, according to what job I'm on, I want to hug your all's neck. Now listen, you think that isn't precious? This idea of Abba's like that. Daddy. My, my father wasn't that way towards us. I never knew that in a human day. But when I got a heavenly father, I got a father that's just like that. And one of the things that happens in Gethsemane, one of the things that happened at the pressing place was Jesus, who had introduced speaking to God as Father, Jesus wanted to introduce that. He added something to that and said, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, I'm in a place of distress. I don't just need to know you theologically. I need a passionate relationship. I need my daddy. I need my daddy. <laughs> Would to God that we allow the pressing places of our life, the pressing places of our necessities to cause us to turn with that kind of love towards our father and hug his neck. My boys, when they were much younger, thought if dad was there, everything was going to be all right. It's kind of funny. They, they do outside work and stuff. My youngest son does a lot of tree work. He, he likes it if I go to a job. He knows more about felling trees. I grew up working with it, but he knows more than I know. He's done more of it. He's really good at it, but he likes dad on the job. He just kind of feels like if dad's there and something starts going crazy, it'll be all right. I feel like if I can't run as fast as I used to, I'm going to get squished. Uh, <laughs> but I wear a helmet. That way they'll have something to scoop me up with. Amen. Um, sometimes we think God wants to fix everything. And sometimes God's design is to grow us. The preacher, what's your Bible for that? There was sent a messenger of Satan to buffet me, authority of the flesh. And I besought the Lord thrice that it would depart from me. But God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength 
My strength, God's strength, not our strength. My strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, I would rather therefore glory in my infirmity. Why? Because that's what we need. I'm telling you what to, what's true about the Lord. Then let me say that not only that, but his commitment to the Father's will remained. He asked. He was already bleeding from the pressure of man's sin. He was made to become sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And the holy, sinless Son of God would become the object of God's judgment and He would become soiled as, as if He had sinned, which He never did, but He would bear that burden. And His sweat would become, as it were, great drops of blood. And He would pour out with the passion of a soul nearly dying from the power of the pressing. Father, let this hour pass for me. But He always ended it the same way. Nevertheless, not my will, but Thine be done. God in the flesh is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Jehovah God. He became man without ceasing to be God. You say, I don't understand everything about that. I don't reckon you do. And I don't reckon I do. But I can trust what I read. I'm not called to figure God out. I'm called to obey Him and to love Him. Anything beyond that's born of pride and ends in disaster. It's important to remember. But a commitment to the Father's will. What's it going to be when Christianity is not easy for you? What's it going to be when it gets hard? When you're pushed into the corner? When that reality's coming in on you? I'll tell you exactly what it'll be. It'll be by what's in you. My friends, every day we need to walk with the Lord. That His Spirit can be strong in us so that we can be strong by His Spirit when we need to be. You say, how important is this? Very important. Our Father's name should be honored by our behavior. May God help us. When I started out as a young preacher, I'd hear guys get up and crow like a rooster in the pulpit. Well, I'm going to do this. So I'm going to do that. I wasn't any smarter than them. I just, I don't know, somewhere along the way of life, even up at that young age, I had figured out that wasn't smart. I'd hear people get up and I'd hear young parents look at somebody who maybe their child has struggled and maybe even made some very wrong or evil decisions in their life and they'd say, well, they obviously didn't know what they were doing. You know, more or less, mine would never do that. <laughs> no, I figured just from the DNA my boys got from me, they were heading for some problems. <laughs> but I'd said from the pulpit from the earliest days, don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, <coughs> say, I would like to follow God all the way through. You say, preacher, don't you believe you can keep following God? I do. But it'll be because of Him. And I'm not putting aside my duty. I've got certain things I'm supposed to do. I can't sit around and not open my Bible and act like some kind of lump on a log and say, well, God didn't bless me. No, I was lazy. You know, 
It's like the saying they had in Eastern Kentucky where my folks are from. And they said, you know, the best place to pray for taters is at the end of a hoe handle. Right? It's exactly right. That's not a verse, but it's a good doctrine. But listen, my friends. Jesus stayed committed to the Father's will. May God help us do it. May God help you do it. I'll tell you what I would consider tonight to be a success if something I point you to in the Scripture would help you in your day of pressing and help you stay faithful for God. If I could be one small part of all that's been put into you and all that you've put into yourself, that'd be good because our Father needs to be honored. His name is spoken ill of in so many places. He's neglected so often. May God help us to just decide to be a people that love on Him. When he looks down, may he still have a people who are still looking up at him and still thanking him for who he is. God help us to do it. Last thing I had, his compassion did not fail. And this one honestly got me under conviction as I thought about it. I confess before you I can be too matter of fact sometimes. I hope I'm not uncaring. I certainly don't want to be. But I can be very matter of fact. You know, I was one of those horrible dads. My son, bang, hit something. Dad, yep, that hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't do that again. <laughs> but there you are. You say, oh, that's mean. They lived and they're pretty good guys. Okay, they had a few lumps, but that's okay. <laughs> but where it got me under con- conviction with it is, I think of how little pressure or discomfort I have to be in in order not to be as compassionate or kind as Christ would like. How easy it is, with no excuse for it, to not obey the verse in Ephesians 4, 31, be a kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And uh, I think about charity. The Bible says about charity, it says, let all thy things be done with charity. Charity, some people say, well, that's God's love. That's not really a complete definition according to the usage in the Bible. Charity is God's love working in one person to another. Every time you look up the word charity and every way it shows up, charitable charity, it has to do with how one person's treating another and the fact they're supposed to be representing the love of God. One of the things 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us about charity is this. Charity suffereth long. Do you know it? And is what? Kind. Suffereth long and is kind. Anybody can be kind at the beginning of it. But we can't have some like crowd us at Walmart without wanting to get in a fist fight. May God help us. We need the Lord, don't we? But He loves us. He doesn't love us because of our achievements. 
He doesn't love us because of what we have to offer. He loves us because He is love. He's accepted us in the Beloved anywhere where Christ is accepted. I'm accepted because I'm in Him. According to the book of Romans, I had access by faith into this grace wherein I stand. When I took Him at His Word, all the things that are defined in grace became my heritage because of Him when I trusted Him. I could have rejected Him and you can too. Grace doesn't knock down your door and storm into your life. He calls you to Himself. When you realize you're a sinner in need of repentance and acceptance of Christ, and by faith you accept what Christ did for you when He hung on Calvary, when He rose from the grave with power, He'll make you His child. But then He's still constantly bringing you to Himself. Come unto me, all you that... We're here and they're heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly of spirit. I will give you rest unto your souls. God's pressing place. That's what the word means. Gethsemane. My friends, I'm going to ask you the same question I started with. What comes out when we're pressed? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's whatever's in us. Pray with me and let's ask God to help us with this. And if some of you want to come pray around the altar, you may. You want to pray at your seat. Whatever your habit is. But let me pray with you and for you. Father, God, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word tonight. I don't know them each individually. You knew our hearts. You know our hearts. Lord, if I've spoken in the ears of someone who is not truly born again by your Spirit, it was a good day when you brought me under Holy Ghost conviction, Lord. Proud, arrogant young man, and you brought me under conviction. God, would you show them tonight their need of you? May they not be satisfied with religion or being a good person. May they realize they need you. May they not be satisfied with not having you. Lord, I pray that they'll call on you. They'll admit to you their need. That they'll ask you to be their Savior. Then God, I ask you for your people gathered tonight. Some may be in a pressing place right now. Oh God, help them today to honor you. God, I pray that you'll help us. We're pressed to yield our spirits to you. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.